actually did feel like an excited little girl, mm. like that I had achieved this great feat. I'd, I'd conquered my nerves. I'd conquered my, you know, my curiosity or any nervousness I had around the country being open and friendly to mm-hmm. us. Welcome to the Crossing It Off podcast, where we believe living with intention through a bucket list lifestyle is a great way to bring yourself personal joy. As you are crossing items off your list, you're actually filling up your bucket. The more items you cross off, the more joy gets added, until eventually your joy spills over into the lives of those around you. My name is Roger Williamson. As the host of this show, I will be interviewing guests, people just like you, that are crossing items off their own bucket list. My hope is that by hearing these stories, you will be inspired and empowered to cross items off your own bucket list. Now let's start crossing it off together. Welcome everybody to another edition of the Crossing It Off podcast. I'm so glad you're here with us uh, learning more items that you could potentially cross off your list or hearing stories from people that have crossed stuff off their list. And my guest has done that. Her name is Carrie Newsom, and she uh, describes herself as a culture seeker, a curious travel lover, and an open a new experiences type of a person. Carrie, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's uh, it's wonderful to be here. Awesome. So, Carrie, tell us, what did you cross off your list? I crossed off opportunity to go ballooning over Bagan in Myanmar. Okay, in Myanmar. All right. Awesome. So, where did that come from? Tell us the origin story of why you chose ballooning, why you chose that location. What was the drive for you to take on that item as a bucket list? Okay. Well, because uh, I'm a little bit of an adventure seeker, I've always seen some beautiful pictures of people going ballooning. Mm-hmm. But in particular, ballooning scenes or pictures that I saw were over these magnificent pagodas Mm. and the pagodas obviously have you know that stupa kind of shape to them and there was like hundreds of them in these pictures and obviously beautiful sunrises as a backdrop and I was always enticed to those pictures and so from a a very young girl, I've been always fascinated with uh, the Buddhist religion and countries, obviously, that are steeped in Buddhist uh, religion. And one of them is Burma, what we used to know as Burma, which is now Myanmar. So on my bucket list, it was definitely up there as a thing to do. One, to be brave to do it in the first place, as in, like, you're only held up by kind of cords and you're floating in the air kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And two, to do it in a country which is, you know, relatively still new to tourists. They don't know a lot about uh, Myanmar or Burma. Burma had been closed off to the world for a very long time. But I wanted all of those ticks in the boxes. You know, I wanted to be brave. I wanted to do the ballooning. I wanted that setting. I wanted it to match up to that image I had in my head. So that that was why it was on my list. What drove you to be an adventurous person? What what was something that happened in your life that made you say, I, I want to go out and experience things. I want to I want to be brave. I want to be braver. What, what is something that happened that kind of pushed you towards that? Well, uh, I think my father would probably be the person that motivated me the most to be brave. He was a pilot. Uh, he flew his own 
built aeroplanes. So he used to build single engine aircrafts. In fact, he built one in our garage at one point. <laughs> and so he was a bit of a pioneer and adventurer in his own way. And obviously in the era of time that he was doing that, he was like really out on a limb, like way out. So I think that's how he got to experience the world and and see it from a different perspective. I didn't get to travel uh, when I was a younger person, I had a um, a family when I was very, very young. So I was, you know, when I was a teenager and uh, a young mother, everyone else was out backpacking and going around the world and doing all that cool stuff. So I've kind of had to catch up. Mm. And, uh, and that's why I guess, you know, I have a bucket list in the first place uh, because I'm running out of time to do everything. But uh, certainly it was it was up there and it it met all my expectations, put it that way. So let's go to actually crossing the item off. Did you go to Myanmar to, to do that specifically or or was this like part of an overall bigger trip for you? Look, it was certainly the pinnacle. It was certainly the one must do thing. Mm. My husband and I both went and not so long ago, we went in January, 2020. Now, if you think about that date very <laughs> carefully, yeah. <laughs> uh, that was kind of very lucky mm-hmm. in fact, on so many levels. Uh, and we, we spent about uh, nearly three, two and a half, three weeks in Myanmar and it is such an amazing country. I can't even begin to tell you. But um, as long as we got to do that, I was I was happy. I just wanted to make sure that happened uh, amongst our our trip planning and and everything else. So you talk about Burma being closed off and them going through transition as a country and slowly getting into this tourist, you know, trade, so to speak. Were there challenges to like? Getting this to happen, where what what did it take for you to like make the reservations? And you know, was was that difficult? Was it something you just had to do and go get in line? How do you actually make the day happen? Okay, well, this is how the moons align. Put it this way: <laughs> so I, in fact, work for a tour company uh, based in Hanoi, in Vietnam. And as you would be aware, my ma is very close to Vietnam, mm-hmm. which is kind of very handy. And the countries in Southeast Asia that this uh, company, as a destination management company, manages include Vietnam, Laos, Cambodia, and guess what? Myanmar. Mm-hmm. So I only had to say to my boss, look, this is something I've wanted to do all my life. So as one of my trips when I go back to Vietnam, I want to tack this on Can you make this happen? Can you pull everything together? And of course she said, of course, yes, that's (laughs) what we do. So I really only had to give her some specifics of some of the experiences I wanted to do, some of the places I wanted to go, and she literally pulled it all together for me. So it it was easier. It was made much easier. And, of course, that gave me a sense of confidence as well. You know, I wasn't going in there blindfolded. I wasn't going in there with someone that I uh, didn't trust or I didn't, you know, who wasn't going to have my back, who wasn't going to have my best interests at heart. She knew this ballooning aspect was on my bucket list. So she made sure that she chose uh, a very reputable company to do it. 
Uh, she also advised around the time of year, best to go if you want to have that, you know, if you want all those moons to align, if you want that picture, this is kind of when you have to come to get it. So I went there with a great sense of ease, I guess, and uh, wasn't disappointed. So take us to that day. You, you show up. How was the ride to get there? What was what was the pre-launch, uh, so to speak, uh, of the balloon? What was that like for you? Okay. So um, firstly, we had been in Myanmar for about a week mm. before this point. So we'd kind of acclimatized. It was January 2020. And there was no whispers at that point about any kind of virus on the horizon or anything coming our way. So we were completely naive as to what was to unfold in the coming months. So everything was going swimmingly. We'd had a fantastic time. We went and we started in Yangon and did um, some of the major pagodas there, which are just truly amazing. Uh, I wish I could find better words to describe the feeling that they leave you with because I'd I want to do them justice because you can't help but feel moved. I mean, my husband's not an overly emotional kind of person or or that gets caught up in anything like this, but even he was, he said, gee, there's, I don't know what it is about this place, but there there is a vibe, there is something. So we'd kind of got into that. And then we went to Began, and Began's a very, very old city, and when you come into the city, we had accommodation for the night before and we had to because we had to be up at like 3.30 or 4 Oof, o'clock in the morning. That's mm. rough. <laughs> that's that's early. So uh, we had to sort of get to bed early and get ready for the pickup, which was all prearranged uh, as part of this. So it's January it's very early in the morning and it's quite crisp. It's quite cold. Hmm. So you don't necessarily think of Southeast Asia as cold no, no. ever. Uh, but let me assure you, it was definitely jacket weather. You know, from my perspective in my head, I think, oh my gosh, you know, it's it's Myanmar, it's Southeast Asia, it's going to be warm. Is there a good time to go that it, that you can experience it, you know, the best of what I would say both worlds, the best of the climate being good, but also is there a better time to have the picture, you know, getting the pictures that you want to get? I think in the uh, early months of the year, January, February are the better times. And as crazy as it sounds, uh, yes, it gets quite cold. Mm. Uh, you are very close to the China border. So in January, February, it's it's freezing. I can remember having to go out the night before, the day before, to actually buy a puffer jacket uh, <laughs> that was another layer on top of the layers that I had. And I've still got that jacket today, I might add, and I bought that at one of the markets. Uh, you would never believe that they would have such quality at these markets. It's crazy. But, yeah, you will need to rug up in January. But to get that that really clean air and that really um, pristine kind of environment, uh, that is that is the best time. Is there a rainy season there that you want to avoid? Uh, yes, that would be around the sort of the November time, okay. around, you know, November, December. It kind of finishes in December. So, yes, um, that, that wouldn't be advisable. <laughs> no, not at all. So they arrange a pickup for us. 
and they take us out to this area just out of Bagan. And you've got to remember, it's pitch dark. It's 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 black, you know. Uh, and the organisation that we had uh, booked to do this was actually run by an English company. We later found out that there was various international companies running these programs hmm. with these balloons in began and training some of the local operators in the in the uh, ability to run them here at the crossing it off podcast we are passionate about inspiring you and your bucket list lifestyle and empowering you to live out your list we offer many resources to assist you in your bucket list journey such as web resources in the show notes bucket list mentoring services my book live out your lists a private facebook group for you to share your bucket list success stories with others and more all of these can be found at crossingitoffpodcast.com Find the resource that fits your need so that you can live out your list. Now back to the show. Because as you can manage, they're quite a technical sure. uh, operation, you know, as in, you know, you've got a basket, it's attached to all these ropes, and when you see it, it's all collapsed. Right. Like the balloon is actually flat on the ground. There's this kind of basket, which you kind of don't think at the time is going to take 14 to 16 people comfortably when you look at it but they sit you down they give you a nice you know cup of coffee or cup of tea I was looking for the brandy but they didn't offer any but (laughs) because my my nerves were a little bit on on edge only because as I said you just have to wonder how the technology is so wonderful that you can put air into that balloon and it is going to be strong enough to lift that weight and then carry that weight. And then they're going to be able to manoeuvre it and direct it into certain areas. Like you just have no concept of it at all. It looks really primitive, right? (laughs) But but there's a lot of technology or or a lot of skill that goes into actually doing that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I don't think I was alone amongst the 20, 30 or 40 people that were sitting around kind of looking at these flat balloons before they gassed them up. And the gassing process is is really fascinating in itself because, and I've got some photos, which I'll share with you later, but you, you actually see this light of the, the gas because it's dark with right. the background, and then it kind of the it just blows up like a balloon, like you would blow up a balloon, and then slowly but surely it sits upright, and then the uh, the pilot, which they call them pilots, even though it's a balloon, uh, and I was happy to say the pilot in my basket had been doing it for twenty two years. Wow, uh, which I was pleased to hear, but. <laughs> He had been doing it for that long in the case that I figured in 22 years he knew what he was doing. Yeah. And, um, and, and yes, yeah, so then once it's, once it's upright, and so I think there was about uh, maybe six or seven balloons to kind of accommodate the amount of people booked on the tours. And as I said, it's, and they were all in different colours which kind of comes into my story about the colour and the setting and the mm-hmm. background and all of that kind of thing. So I think ours was green, but there were some yellow ones and some white ones, et cetera. 
And so each company has its own colors. And that helps in the sky because if you've got another company coming your way and you've got to get out of it, out of their way, they have a way of being able to use a like a, a walkie-talkie kind of thing uh-huh. and say, you know, you've got to shift 15 degrees or you've got to do something like that. So that kind of technicality comes into it. But then once it's upright, they kind of uh, ask you to come to the basket and you kind of lift yourself up to to sit in it and you have a, a very small space inside the basket to kind of sit uh, to to actually take off and then you can stand. So you kind of get this very small um, corner area and that's it. So then they, I don't know what they do, but then all of a sudden it just, it just lifts. <laughs> and I thought you would kind of find that lift feeling quite like you'd lost your stomach. You know how sometimes when you you do something like that, you kind of lose, lose, lose your stomach. And, but I didn't. And it just, it just effortlessly kind of kicked off. And then we were airborne. So as you're experiencing that lift and you're starting to go up and higher and higher and higher, what, what's going, what's that little girl that used to look at those pictures? What, what is she saying in her head or what is, what, what's she feeling? What are you feeling? Well, it's funny you say little girl. I, I actually did feel like an excited little girl mm. like that I had achieved this great feat I I conquered my nerves I'd conquered my you know my curiosity or any nervousness I had around the country being open and friendly to mm-hmm. us you know because I we'd had that week and we were very welcome and we'd been treated very well by um local people etc so I I'd, I'd conquered that I was with my husband um so that just that joint uh for us both, he was just as exhilarated. So for us to experience it together was just was just something wonderful in itself. But the pinnacle, I guess, of the experience was when the sun then came up mm. over all of the pagodas because there's thousands of them, Roger, right. like thousands, and they're all in different sizes and they sit like these little pots of, mm. of gold around you can imagine paddocks and paddocks um, of them and you know they'll point out the names of some of them and all the rest of it but it it was truly an enriching experience have you ever done anything where you thought well now that I've done that I think I could do anything <laughs> yes I have yeah I, I, do you yeah. know what I mean oh yeah when I when I got finished with the Camino de Santiago 790 kilometers across Spain I was just like what's next like I I can do this what's next yeah it's it's a fabulous feeling isn't it you, it's it's hard to explain to people and uh that's why I, I it was such a joy when you asked me to come on and talk about it because I can bore people here all the time at home and sort of <laughs> drive them crazy but um yeah it was and and I think you know I was in uh how old oh, I was in my 50s at the time when I did it so once again it was that kind of time in my life where I thought well I don't have time you know to waste so to do it now is is the time to do it and it was just everything everything that I thought it would be I I can imagine I I know the the answer to this question but I'm going to ask it anyways but when you were 
when you had flown over the pagodas and you had, you know, the sun was coming fully out and you started to descend. What what were you feeling at that point? What was what was your when you finally the basket touched the ground and you and they're asking you to get out? What was that like? What was what was going through your head at that point? Well, I had to remind myself that I didn't have the brandy because I felt like a little <laughs> bit drunk. <laughs> wow. Okay. You know, that that kind of energy or that that uh feeling that you get, uh that euphoria, I I guess is is what I'm trying to explain. It's a high. It's definitely a high that uh you experience. And I thought, I don't know how I'm gonna calm down. And by this stage it was only like nine o'clock in the morning. Right. And we had the we had the whole day to go <laughs> ahead, you know. And I said, well what are we going to do after this? Like I'm 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 kind of still walking on air. But I, I think I was still recovering a little bit from the nervousness of how they were going to get it down. So we had to, you know, we were very mm-hmm. high up. So we still had to come down. How was that going to go? So the fact that that kind of happened very, very easily and without any bumps or skips or, or, or anything like that, we didn't hit anything or get dumped in the wrong place. There was one balloon that kind of missed their marker a little bit Oof. and was close to a fence, but nothing nothing serious. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so it was that kind of high, that euphoria that, you know, I got I went my heart was racing and I was, I was just – it it took me a while to kind of okay, Carrie, settle pedal, just you know, get on, okay, yeah. tick that box. So your husband went with you, mm-hmm. uh, so I'm guessing uh, it sounds like he was pretty supportive of what's going on with with this. What was the reaction of other people that uh, your family, coworkers, whatever? What was the reaction of other people when you said I'm going to go do this? Well, you know, a lot of my family and friends think I'm a bit crazy anyway, so. <laughs> It probably fit the bill perfectly. I mean, there was some nervousness from friends and family just about me going to Myanmar in the mm-hmm. first place because I don't know whether, you know, if we want to sort of bring some history, it, it has certainly lived in turmoil for a long time. Yes. Uh, from a political standpoint, from, uh, yeah, from on many levels. So uh, there was some concern about me going to the country. The fact that I was going to then take on this activity of ballooning, oh, well, that was like power for the cause, you know, like, oh, well, she's there. She's going to take a life in her own hands and she's going to go ballooning. Why not, Kerry? Of course. Yeah. So, yeah, there was a little bit of nervousness uh, and and I'm so glad I did it because, as you know, uh, it went downhill for travel in 2020. Yes. But also the country itself has gone back into political turmoil and unrest again. And I think while it's just back open now, I think things are very still very tender in that area. And I think there's a nervousness about full travel coming back on, which is such a shame. I hope it comes back on. Yeah, for sure. So if you and I were at the pub and you didn't know me really well and and we started talking and you told me about this adventure that you had. And I said, oh, I think I would like to do that. Besides just telling me, yeah, you've got to go do that, right? Just do it. What's something else that you could help me that I may not know any other any other way that, that would help me have the best experience that I could while I was doing it? I think if you could take a leaf out of my book and spend a little bit of time in my ma first. Mm. Don't just, you know, fly in, do that and get out. 
I think you would be doing yourself a great injustice. I think you would miss out on some of the the beauty of the country and the people, uh, the kindness and the generosity of the people that would allay any fears that you might have mm-hmm. uh, and the quality of, and the professionalism of the organisations that put it together. I think people who swept in and swept out, you know, we did meet some people and they said, oh, you know, we're only here for a day. We wish we'd been We'd had more time. We just came to do this and we're moving on. I went, oh, my goodness. Yeah, I, that's just not my speed. I That's not the way I like to travel. I like to have time to breathe in the country and that. So, yeah, if, if you were in the pub, I'd be saying get yourself there, have some time, have a look around and then go and do it. And then you're going to get an appreciation of what those pagodas are about learn a little bit of history, get a bit of culture under your belt, and then it's going to have a, a much greater impact on you. I so think. you and your husband had visited the pagodas before you went ballooning? Yes. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, mm. I think that's a, that's a great piece of advice because you get it allows you to have two different perspectives of the same thing, and I think that yes. that's really cool. Yes. Awesome. And we had another day afterwards as well. So we, we went um, – around and oh, there's various ways you can get around and horse and cart and all sorts of buggies and things like that. It's very old worldy. It takes you back in time. I appreciate you sharing this with us because, you know, there's, there's many of these type of opportunities, whether it's Cappadocia and Turkey, or it's even here in New Mexico uh, in the United States where you can do this kind of thing. I had never heard of of doing it in Myanmar. So I, I greatly appreciate you talking about it. Carrie, what else is on your bucket list? You know, you asked me that question earlier and I thought, gosh, I, where do I start? <laughs> I I still have a few to, to tick. Uh, I think I would like to go to Alaska and I would like to see um, that part of the world before anything further happens in the climate change arena that would make that difficult or less majestic yeah less majestic well less majestic and probably dangerous so yeah I'm probably running out of time on that one as well so you know something like that I think is probably uh going to be and we're planning a big trip in 24 so that uh that's probably going to feature on that list well, you're real close to me, so if you are coming this way to the states, let me know, and yeah, for <laughs> we'll sure. see if we can cannot hook up. Um, okay, where can people find you online? What's what are you into? What what? How can people connect with you? Okay, so I also do a podcast uh, featuring travel in Vietnam, and it's called "What About Vietnam." Because I had so many people used to say, oh, you know, we're thinking going to Bali, we're thinking going to Thailand. And I'd say, what about Vietnam? (laughs) Yeah, what about Vietnam? I've been doing that podcast for two and a half years. So people can find me at www.whataboutvietnam.com, Instagram, Facebook, yeah, Pinterest, all by the same name, What About Vietnam. People can reach out to me, happy to answer any questions they have about Vietnam even a little bit about Myanmar, if they want to ask me about that as well. Happy to to help people uh, to experience these countries. They're fascinating countries. 
That's for sure. Uh, I will put all those uh, links in the show notes so that people can find them uh, easily and get connected with you, Carrie. Uh, again, thank you so much for coming and sharing your story. Uh, I, I loved hearing it. I love finding new places. Uh, so many of the honeypot destinations around the world are getting overused. So it's kind of nice to hear about something else that, that's majestic and awesome. So thank you for being here. Roger, it's been my absolute pleasure. And I think you're doing a great job with your podcast. It's a great storyline. And I look forward to listening to other people's bucket list trips. Hello.